I don't know if you have your Bible this morning, but I hope you do. You might remember that when I first got here, one of the things that we started talking about a lot on Sunday mornings was having our Bibles. And I think I maybe did that enough where I said, so do you have your own Bibles this morning? That some people, I think, started bringing theirs when they hadn't done it before, and that was probably a good thing. But I'm wondering how we're doing. I wonder how we're doing. Like, did you go through a period when you brought your Bible there for a bit, but now, not so much? Well, I hope, you know what that's called? (laughs) That's called backsliding. We need to not backslide on our Bible bringing, but keep bringing our Bibles and not backslide. Not bad, eh? So let's, uh, let's continue along those lines to bring our scriptures with us. You know, bringing the Bible with you on Sunday morning should be something like, I, you know, I can't leave the house without wearing a shirt and I can't, bring the, I can't go to the service without my Bible because it's just part of who I am. It's something that I need when I go there. And I hope that the scriptures, your study of them is so familiar to you and so routine that it just becomes part of who you are. You just can't can't live without that attachment to the word of God. Well, we've been talking about families for a long time now, you know, for a couple of months now. And this morning, I want to talk about your family's relationship to scripture. I want to talk about the relationship that your children have with Scripture. And if if you're in a family that doesn't have children, then we're talking about your relationship to Scripture. Because Scripture is something that needs to be there in every family represented within this body. It needs to be near and dear. It needs to be lauded and admired, and protected. Most of your Bibles, if you look at them, you could look at the cover. I don't know if yours says this or not. Or you could look at the front, maybe. Somewhere on there, it's probably going to say, Holy Bible. And the reason it says holy is because the church through the centuries has said the scriptures are sacred. This is something that God has communicated to us. He has revealed to us his word. And it's something that because he reveals that we have to take very, very seriously. How seriously should we take it? Let me give you an example. I want you to turn to the book of Nehemiah. And because you all use your Bibles so much, you know exactly where Nehemiah is. And can find it at a moment's notice. So turn to Nehemiah in just a moment's notice. First, look in the contents. And then you can find what page it's on. And then you can go to Nehemiah. If the kids were in here, they could give us the 66th version and we would have Nehemiah knowing exactly where it is. Silas, could you do that? I bet you could. (laughs) Or you could just be embarrassed if the preacher draws attention to you. Nehemiah, look at chapter 8. You've probably found it by now. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. Let me set the scene here. They've come out of captivity. They've been in captivity about 70 years or so. They have returned to the land of Israel from the land of Babylon, and they're trying to rebuild the nation, trying to be, again, God's people. So they assemble together. 
in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. Do you get that? The men and the women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, the women, and the others there who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Now, how long did that take place, does the scripture say? Daybreak until noon. I don't know what time the sun came up. Let's imagine the sun came up at 6.30. And so five and a half hours or so, scripture was read and the people stood in the square by the water gate or before the water gate and listened to the word of God read. Verse 4, Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood several different people whose names are difficult to pronounce. Verse 5, Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. As he opens the book, all the people stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. It's no wonder it says Holy Bible. People took this seriously. Verse 8. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. It was so important that the people understood what scripture was all about. Then Nehemiah, verse 9, the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Can you imagine? Ezra stands up and he reads From the book of the law? I mean, we're talking about he's reading from Leviticus. All those begats and begottens and all those laws about what happens if somebody's got something on their skin. What do you do? And what if there's a hair in it? And while he is reading that, which to us, can't you imagine what we would be doing if I stood here this morning and said, folks, I'm going to read all of Leviticus. I'd like you to stand while I do. Everybody would be looking to sit down soon. If you weren't looking to sit down, you would be yawning. You would be wavering. You would be nudging your wife and saying, is he not going to stop? Is this going to go on all morning? Five and a half hours of reading from the book of the law and we have to stand this whole time? We couldn't take it. In fact, I dare say we wouldn't stand for it. There is no way that that would go on. And then we certainly wouldn't have, as the text says, all the people weeping as they listened to the words of the law. 
Verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some, some to those who have nothing to, uh, prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites, Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a sacred day. Do not grieve, because the people had been grieving about their captivity and then coming out of captivity and now having the law read. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been named, made known to them. So there's reading of the law and then they go and rejoice because they now understand the words. Now look at verse 13. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families along with the priests and Levites gathered around Ezra the scribe to give attention to what? What does it say? The words of the law. So you know what they did? They got together one day and they stood and they heard the word of God read and they went home and they got something to eat and they rested for a little while and the next day they came back and they did it all over again. And so tomorrow we're going to... No. No, we're not. No, you won't all be back tomorrow. But they were. And it's because of the incredible respect that they had for the word of the Lord. God has revealed himself to humankind and the people wanted to hear it. And in response, they weep and they wail and they fall on their faces and they grieve because they have not been what God wanted them to be. And it's all because God is communicating himself through the word to the people. Where are we at, folks? What is our response to Scripture? What is our response to the word of God? And what does God want from us when it comes to the holiness and the sacredness and the reverence, the admiration and the seriousness that it, when it comes to Scripture that was so much a part of their lives. Now, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We know this verse so, so well. This is one of those verses like John 3.16, that you hear so often that pretty soon it's almost as if it begins to lose its punch. It begins to lose its impact. Because we've just heard it so often. It's like praying for lunch. You pray for lunch so often, pretty soon the prayer doesn't mean anything. It's like having... Your husband say to you, I love you a thousand times a day. Pretty soon you say, hey. Do you really say that, dear? No. No, of course not. Second Timothy chapter 3, look at verse, uh, we'll start with 14. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. Paul is writing here to a young man who had learned the scriptures from his grandmother and from his mother. It says that in chapter 1. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have been convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, holy 
scriptures, sacred scriptures, writings set apart by God for his purposes, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, this says, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the point this morning is brief. It is specific. I just want to say this. Look at what the scriptures are here for. They are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And that says something to everybody here who is part of a family. If you're a parent and you have children, you want so badly for those children to know Christ. You want them to grow. Like, there are parents here, if I was to ask you, what would you do in order to make sure that your kids could know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? You would say, anything. I'll do anything. Sell my house and lose my equity so that my kids could know Jesus in a second. Have to go through some kind of painful surgery so that my kids could end up knowing Jesus? I'd do it in a moment. Without anesthesia. We want so badly to take seriously God's role in our children's lives and for them to know Christ. Isn't that the case? We would do so much to have those children that are our responsibility that we love so much for them to know Christ. We would do just anything. Will you take the time to teach them the scriptures? Will you take the time Will you make the sacrifice with some intentionality? Making a time commitment to teach your children the scriptures that tell us about Jesus. After all, it's, it's not an end in itself. The scriptures are profitable, teaching and rebuking and training but they're not an end in in themselves and while the bible i think has a quality about that is sacred it's not my lord the bible is not my god the bible is the means a way of god revealing himself to us and therefore to our children so that they can know jesus And so if I ask you, is is it important for you that the people in your family know Jesus? Then it is crucial that the people in your family come to know Scripture as Scripture reveals to us the person of Jesus. That is crucial. And whatever sacrifice you need to make, whatever time commitment it takes you 
whatever surgery without anesthesia you may have to endure. You need to teach your children and those in your family whom you love the Bible. Will you commit yourselves to that? I know of very few tasks in life toward which we should feel as great a call. I can't think of something for which we should bear more responsibility and that we should take more seriously than that. And in the process, those whom we love will have a chance to be confronted by God as they come to know Scripture. If reading the Bible, knowing the Bible, daily finding yourself involved with Scripture, if that's not your routine and pattern, oh, it needs to be. Let me commend those like Tara or those who are included at all of our Bible classes, the teachers, those who are teaching our kids right now. Let me commend them for what they do in taking this seriously. The 66 Club, praise the Lord. It might seem like it's so trivial to have kids be able to just say the books of the Bible. But when they recognize that their church family takes this seriously and hopes for them that they'll learn those 66 books, that speaks to them and says, this is important. We take this stuff seriously. And we need to. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the the revelation that you've given us in Scripture. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for, for what you teach us there, for the way that you draw us close to your heart there, for the way that you teach us the precepts and the commands and the, the ways of knowing you that you want us to experience. Thank you for revealing yourself in such a way that we can sense your love and we can be drawn in by Scripture into relationship with you. Father, I want to pray for every person here who has some kind of responsibility in teaching others Scripture. Father, I pray that you'd help them to be diligent about the task. Help them to be willing to make sacrifices that it might occur. Help them to know how to do it best. Help them to communicate in in such a clear way that people are compelled to look into the scriptures and find you there. And Father, I pray especially for those parents today who have children in their homes that they're still teaching about you. Father, I pray that you'd help them to be committed, help them to recognize the sacrifice that's needed, help them to, with intentionality, focus on how they can teach their children the scriptures, help them to put their children in a position a context, a community in which they can best learn the Bible. 
Father, right now there are parents who are thinking of their individual children, those little ones that they hold so dear. And I know that they want for them to know the Bible. Oh, Father, help them to do it best. Help them to be effective. And through your Spirit, work through them that your Word might be planted in each little one. Father, we pray that you'd help us to be a community of faith that draws this out of people, this desire to love your word, to long after it with all their hearts. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being recipients of your word and of scripture. Help us never take that for granted. Bless us that we might teach as best we can. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.